Welcome to episode 103 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me, as always, are Matt Cassell. What's up? And Ian the Sauce Sharply. Hello. It is Monday night, May 4th. And put your spoiler caps on because we're going to spoil the fuck out of Avengers Age of Ultron. But before we dip into the Age of Ultron, which was really not so much an age as it was two and a half hours, um, housekeeping with Ian Sharpley. It was like the the brief five minutes of Ultron. It's like the lunch break of Ultron. <laughs> uh, we recently celebrated Free Comic Book Day some of the ways that we were getting in touch with our audience. In grand style at New Dimension Comics at Century 3 Mall. Mm-hmm. Some of the ways that we were getting in touch with some of our new fans and our old fans through McSauce.com, through the Facebook page. Podomatic.com is where you can find all of our lovely podcasts. You can also go to Libsyn.com, Stitcher Radio, for those who do not have iTunes, Apple devices. But if you do have an Apple device, go on to iTunes. Leave us a review. iTunes. Five stars, please. And, um, yeah. We had a good time at old free comic book day. Met a lot of nice people. New fans, old fans. People that aren't fans, but still were there to <laughs> hang out and say hi to us. And thanks to Chip, uh, the guy that runs the show out there, for having us back out. And always a pleasure uh, to sit down with Chip and get into some hardcore Transformers talk. Is that what was going on with Chip? Hardcore Transformers talk? Yeah, I don't know where you guys were at at, at some point, but I don't Chip know where I you were Chip at. And I we were at the table. You were. That's Gallivant because you guys had you guys had the seats, and I like instead of just standing, like I needed to be on the move. I needed to go. I needed to get the pulse of free comic book day. When you when you walked the store, did you send people? Hey, you know I see you like comic books. You guys should go toward the back of the store. There's a great table there, the McSauce Comic Book Podcast table, where you can meet the 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 actual hosts of the show. Did you tell them like this kind of stuff? Did you hand out any business cards? I know we have Were you new on? business cards, new postcards. I left a trail of business cards from the table to like everywhere Brad I Crumbs. went to find my way back. Like Hansel and Gretel. Like Han Solo and Gretel. Is that what you just said? It sounded like it. Han Solo and Gretel. Hansel. I think it's Hansel. Is it Han- I, I Hansel? 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 Hansel. Hansel. I think it's Hansel. Hansel. It's Hansel. Get the fuck out of here. It's Hansel. It's fucking German. I think it's Hansel. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. There's a Looney Tunes. Where they do Hansel? Cartoon Hansel? about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Looney Tunes is, is the definitive final word on the pronunciation of uh, fairy tale characters. Well, is it Han Solo or is it Han Solo? Depends on who's saying it now, doesn't it? Lando reads Hansel and Gretel. <laughs> <laughs> but doesn't Leia read Hansel mm. and Gretel? She does. I think she says both. Does she? The flip-flop? Lucas was like, hey, whatever you guys want. <laughs> I think, uh... You're so high on coke. C-3PO says Han. Yeah. Yeah. Luke, Luke says Han. Han. 
Yeah, he does. What does Obi Wan say? That's the definitive. I don't think Obi Wan ever. Obi Wan ever says his name. What no. does Chewie say? <laughs> Solo. Free comic book day was a lot of fun, and that was the. It was. The warm up for this coming weekend at Wizard World Philadelphia. We are dipping our toes into a four day convention extravaganza starting Thursday afternoon all the way until Sunday early evening-ish. And then we gotta drive home. Yeah, no big deal, no big deal. We're gonna be amped up on con excitement. We're not gonna be tired, we're gonna be ready to go, we're gonna get home, be ready to do it all over again the next weekend of the 15th, 16th, and 17th at Sci-Fi Valley Con in good old Altoona, Pennsylvania. The Big Tuna. That's a little shorter of a trip for us, but we will meet it with the same gusto, the same excitement. The McSauce train is non-stop the next two weeks weekends. So this coming weekend, if you're in Philadelphia, Philadelphia Convention Center, Wizard World Philly, come see us. If you are in Altoona the following weekend, 15th through 17th, come see us at the Altoona Courtyard. It's the Blair County, Blair County Convention Center. Uh, the, Mary the Courtyard Marriott is attached to it. So uh, come see us in Altoona. Two big cons, two weekends in a row, free buttons, uh, Brand new prints we worked on, t-shirts this year. Uh, we want to see every, as many people as we can. So if you're around, you can spare a day to come out. We would appreciate some friendly faces. What else, Ian? I think that's it. Think yeah? That's all, that's all we have. It's gonna do it? I think so. Ian, what are, what are you looking forward to most in Philly? Well, I'm looking to receiving text messages from you guys saying, wish you were here. Come on, buddy. You still have time to make it out there because I will not be going to Philly. I will be at home working, working like a dog. If you visit our booth in Philly and expect some of that patented McSauce racial humor, you're not going to get it because we don't have the buffer that weekend. It's going to be three white guys, and we're not going to be allowed to make black jokes. That's what I bring. Flexibility to our joke-telling. It's a dynamic most people don't have. It's true. If only I was a lesbian, then we could also tell all those types of jokes. Uh, it would give us such a wide net. A wide net of jokes to cast. Yeah. And speaking of jokes, we saw Avengers Age of Ultron this past weekend. Would you guys say it was the funniest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies? It was the naked gun of the <laughs> of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. It was hysterical. Constant jokes. More slapstick than serious. It just couldn't help itself. Could it, Ian? It couldn't help itself. It was just banana peels, cream pies... Now we, Seltzer water in the face, clown cars, <laughs> all 
all the good Marvel I, tropes. I, I really I'm like. Sure, the, I'm pretty sure there was a there was a scene of all the characters running in and out of hotel doors in the same hallway with the Benny Hill music playing in yep. the background. Well, that's my hall. favorite part because I love the Avengers new theme song that you know that the new series has. <laughs> Like, uh, the Hulkbuster pulls up, and all of the Avengers come out, <laughs> run around it, Chinese fire drill style. Age of Ultron was came just short of Tony Stark honking the Hulk's nose. <laughs> if he would have done it, I would have... Batted an eye. I'd have been like, it would have fit right in. I mean, That's the movie that we're watching here. Yeah. Everybody had a line. I mean. Oh, zinger slingers. Was... All night long. All night long. The only character that was not a <coughs> zinger slinger was Bruce Banner. True. I, I think the vision sort of was even keeled. Or did he have some jokes? He might have had some real dry British humor. Well, let's not let's not forget Vision's last line. Well, I was born yesterday. Oh, that was He did say that. That was funny, though. That was genuinely funny. I don't well, know. Yeah, I don't Most know. I think, I think by then... I I was just tired of the fucking forced comedy. Most of the time I was laughing because they were just going for it. It was every other line of dialogue was some kind of attempt at a joke. There was a there was a line at the very end once once Cap goes and gets Black Widow staring off into space and He's like, oh, we need to train the the next squad of Avengers and they're walking down the hallway and she says she says something to him. I forget what it was, but it was a zinger. And I was like, fuck. Give us a... We're, we're within the last two minutes of this movie. Just give me a break. I took a look around the audience. Everybody was holding their sides. They were just, <laughs> <laughs> just worn the fuck out, Joss Whedon. Well, um, I watched... I caught about... Most of the second half of the first Avengers last night and uh, I opted for that over Blackhawks Wild because I wanted to get a little perspective on what exactly Age of Ultron offered differently than the first Avengers and there's a lot of comedy in Avengers number one there was a lot I and don't think the comedy was as great a departure as I initially thought it was like I feel like every Marvel movie I see Except Guardians, because that was kind of promoted as, this is the funny one. The comedy is just keeps ramping up, up, up. Well, I always thought that Avengers was... It, it was kind of funny. It did have a lot of humor, and it was lighthearted. And that was things that people pointed to, that superheroes could have fun, and it could be a bright, shining movie. <laughs> and there were there was jokes all over the place. But... Age of Ultron just took that and just doubled down on the on the jokes. It was every single scene. Whereas in Avengers, the the original film, there were moments that were serious. Loki's interaction with um, with Black Widow was a pretty serious moment. There were other serious beats in that movie, 
But Age of Ultron, dude, it's yeah. hard to find a well, section even, that wasn't laugh riot. Even watching that, you know, that half of Avengers, like a lot of it still felt fresh to me. Like Iron Man suit looked fucking great. Before that, I watched Iron Man because FX had an entire block of Marvel. They were playing all all the Marvel movies, and I watched Iron Man two, and I thought that the War Machine suit and Iron Man suit and Iron Man two still look pretty goddamn good. Yeah, Iron Man suit and Avengers looked amazing because it still had it was primarily red, but it still had a lot of gold in it. Straight up gold. Not that weird tan shit yeah. that was in Iron Man 3. Like, he looked amazing. And like, even seeing him in Age of Ultron, I was like, eh. It just didn't, like, the, the colors didn't pop. Like, I think it, oh, he almost looked entirely red, except for the faceplate. Um, Matt, did you get to watch some some old Iron Man movies this weekend? No, I didn't. Um, but I remember that the first Avengers was kind of yucking it up quite a bit, and that was kind of... Before we ever started this podcast, I had said, you know, the first Avengers I don't think is as good as everyone makes it out to be. It's good, but... Not good like everyone talks like it is. And um, I, I think this new Avengers is starting to put that into perspective a little bit. See, I still really liked it. I liked it too, but I'm saying it's not the masterworks that it's made out to be. There were some moments that, effects-wise moments, that I kind of looked at and kind of grimaced a little <clears> bit. <throat> there was a scene in the beginning where Loki travels to talk to the Chitari, and that's really bad. It looks like straight out of TV. It looks like an episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It doesn't look like a feature film. Does it Does it look like that? Well, did you think that when you first saw it, or is that a product of po poorly aging? I think poorly aging. I didn't think that originally, but that was a criticism that I've heard over the years that Joss Whedon kind of has some TV tendencies and the Avengers kind of showed that but people didn't focus so much on it because they were having so much fun seeing these heroes come together for the first time yeah the stuff I saw last night from Avengers I was like eh, this was a pretty pretty good movie but it was so fresh too I it think was. that's part of it was that that's it's the first time you got to see all of those heroes together interacting they weren't some big happy team even at that point Whereas this one, they they they're pretty they're pretty solid. They're loving each other up. Which brings me to my biggest problem with Age of Ultron. And maybe this wasn't a Joss Whedon issue, maybe this wasn't a writing issue. This could have been entirely based on my expectation going into it. I thought this was gonna be where everything goes to hell. I thought this was going to be the Empire Strikes Back of Avengers movies. I don't know if that's because we've been weirdly conditioned to believe the second movie of a trilogy is inherently darker than the others, or if we look at it like the you know the natural three acts of a play, where the second act is darkest. But I really expected some pathos in this one, some real divisions between the characters. What I really wanted at the end was 
the Empire Strikes Back ending where at the end of that movie you're like what the fuck what are these guys gonna do and every character is changed like from the end of Empire Strikes Back no character is the same as they were like their entire world has changed status quo is in the garbage but at the end of Age of Ultron I mean why'd this movie even fucking happen and the I status quo is the same except oh we don't know where Bruce Banner is what's different Nothing. And I thought that they were going that way because they are sowing the seeds of civil war. And they, in this film, did pit the ideals of Tony against Captain America. And throughout the middle section of the film, they were at odds for a long time. But at the very end, they fucking kissed and made up and <clears throat> rode off in the sunset. And I was like, what the fuck? What, what did all that other stuff happen and now we're going to undo it with a pretty happy ending at the end. Yeah. Aside from a lot of the unnecessary attempts at humor, and I emphasize attempts because, like I was saying before we recorded, um, there were very little things I actually laughed at in that movie. Um, and I feel like the the longer it went on, the more I was just getting annoyed with it. So it was almost like, go ahead, bitch, try to make me laugh at this point. You know what I mean? Like, I was, like, getting, like, annoyed. Like, you're trying so hard. Like, you need to earn it now. And uh, I had said that there were only, like, two maybe out loud chuckle moments, and that was it. There was nothing that made me laugh. But aside from my displeasure with that, I think the biggest problem was the movie in general, you know, for a, a company that is putting together a series of movies that, you know, has like all these different um, splinter movies that, that all make up the same family tree, they're like this one just felt completely pointless. Like nothing of any consequence happens. Like, the thing that they build up over the course of, like... Is this the first of... This is phase two, right? Technically, this is... This first is the of phase second, three? This is the second to last of phase two. Okay. Because Ant-Man is supposed to be the final piece of phase two. So, the bulk of phase two has been the uh, the rise of Hydra taking over S.H.I.E.L.D. It's the premise of the TV show. It was the entire premise of Captain America 2. And that's dealt with in the first five minutes of this movie? Like, like it was nothing. It felt like like Iron Eagle 2, when they killed off Iron Eagle 1 character, like, in the first seconds of the movie. They kill off uh, Baron Strucker off, off camera. They just show a picture, and he may not be dead, whatever. But just that, that image of him laying there, like, dead... Yeah. That's a completely wasted villain, and I feel like that's what Marvel has been doing with its villains. Marvel has a great library of, of powerful villains that they can pull out at any right. moment, but they've been going through them <clears throat> with just, just carelessly throwing them on the floor like tissue paper. Ultron should have been a really menacing villain, and he wasn't. He was so not menacing. He was maybe, and we talked about this after the show, he was maybe the worst Marvel villain ever which one was fucking terrible which there is, wasn't one good one thing i liked about that that is a, a very uh polarizing opinion that you guys have because i have heard people 
and you know reviews and stuff refer to him as like kind of the best of both worlds between the Winter Soldier and Loki. Um, I I tend to side more with you guys because I don't think he was a, a because, good villain. Because you're not a dummy tonight. So let's <laughs> let's look at those villains. Like in in Loki and the Winter Soldier both have sort of shades of gray to them. I think that Loki, because of his popularity and the fact that he teamed up with Thor begrudgingly in the Dark World, he's still a villain. Like, he's in Asgard running shit, but I'm not comfortable with him being the ruler of Asgard. He's a bad guy, and he was a villain in the first Thor movie. Tom Hiddleston makes Loki who he is. At, at what point in reading... He makes him likable, I think. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. At what point in reading Loki in the comics were you like, this is a gray area guy. This yeah. is a pretty good guy. Absolutely you're never. Not. He's a bad guy. Because in the comics, you're, he's just fucking evil. He doesn't have that Tom Hiddleston charm and delivery that you're like, hey, this guy's kind of funny. But, I mean, if you really look at what he's doing in the films that he's been in, He's he's a bad guy. He's he's evil. He's doing bad shit. He's trying to take over worlds. So I I'd say that he might be the most successful villain, followed real closely by Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier has that menace about him. He's he's Jason Voorhees in the Terminator, the guy that you want to run away from but you never can get away from him. I don't know if it's because we know who Winter Soldier is in his heart that it but it makes me not look at him like a villain when I look at Winter Soldier I'm like who's the villain in that movie Hydra the Robert Winter Redford. Soldier Winter, yeah Winter Soldier is just the gun Hydra uses like that character to me he's Bucky we know he's gonna be a good guy yeah. so I never look at him like well, that's the bad guy. In this but movie. he was for that movie. I, you know, I mean, he was the villain of that film. But knowing that he's not always going to be, like, does that... Yeah. Can we even count him as a villain at that point? Ah, His classic villains that are villains and will be villains. I, I think it's just a strike against Marvel, and it highlights how, how flimsy their villains are, that we have to point to somebody that eventually will be an Avenger as one of their more powerful, successful I thought, villains. I thought Ronan was a better villain than Ultron. And Ronan had... He was. Maybe, what, six lines of dialogue? <laughs> he was better. Ronan was better in, the in like, the opening moments of his creation whenever they're, they're telling the story of Ronan. And that was kind of cool and different. Um, throughout the movie, it wasn't all that great. But he was way better than Ultron. I mean, I'm trying to think of some other... Some other villains, I mean... Who was... Obadiah Stane? That's where I was going. I mean, he was... He was Classic, dirty businessman. Whiplash. The Red Skull. I don't even remember what Whiplash's modus operandi was. He wants... He wanted he to have wanted, his bird. I mean, that's what he I He wanted remember. to what? Have what? His, his bird. He had his bird. Remember? The, he had his, like, toucan thing? And he lost it, and then... That was his... He was like, Iron Man killed my bird, I'm no, going to no, kill no. Iron Man? His, his, oh, his re he wanted to get revenge on Stark because he felt like his dad stole his father's ideas to make the arc reactor. Uh, I believe that's mm -hmm, that's what okay. his his real beef was. The bird thing was a joke. What about... Um, it was about Avengers quality humor right there. 
Oh. What about? No, that was mean. I'm sorry. <laughs> Tim so Roth. The meanest thing anybody's ever said. What about ever. Tim Roth and the Abomination? Yeah, and I mean he was a bad guy, but he's a, he was a forgettable bad guy. Um, Pretty one note guy. Yeah. Malekith. Terrible. Super Barely transparent. There. Barely there. Uh, yeah. Red Skull. He was villainous. Pretty good. Pretty solid. I appreciate Red Skull's motivations. You know, he's aligned with the Nazis, and then he's like, fuck this. I'm taking over. I can do this. We got the technology. I'm, I'm in this shit. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty, Pretty good. solid. I like, I like Ronan. Ronan knew what he wanted. He knew what he was going to do. He didn't appreciate uh, kowtowing to Thanos, but he knew where the power was at the time, and he gets his ass handed to him. But, but Ronan wasn't fucking around. Yeah, no, but he was still just, like, sort of in a minor obstacle in the Guardian's way. You know what I mean? Like, at no point did you ever think, ah, oh, the Guardians aren't going to be able to beat this dude. They, they were going to they were gonna be able to. Well, like, it was set up from the beginning that they could beat Ronan, but they're never going to beat Thanos. Yeah. But we know they will. Do we know that? We don't know. Pretty sure. Pretty sure. I mean, none of them are going to die. Like, I expected someone to die in this movie, or at least get Somebody. seriously fucked up. Somebody did they die. But no one that really matters. Who are we going to kill? We're going to kill the guy that you've known for about 45 minutes. I thought that they were going to kill Hawkeye. Did you really? Because of the way that they... They built him but up. Did, but wasn't that so blatant that you you were like, there's no way they're really going to do this? I don't know. I thought they might. I thought they might. I would have... If they did, I would have lost all respect for Joss Whedon because that was such a fucking movie-making 101 move where we don't know anything about Hawkeye, but now all of a sudden we're getting all these tender scenes with his wife and his kids and they're putting those hooks in us like you need to like this guy you need to this is why you need to like this guy right now because we're gonna kill him later he's not gonna be around for much longer I knew I knew I, he wasn't going but I was kinda surprised that Quicksilver was the guy yeah. that went I really liked Hawkeye of the, of the things there are a lot of things that I didn't like about this film but all the Hawkeye stuff I thought was handled well Jeremy Renner is a good actor and took the role and handled it with a lot of skill. I had a fun time with all the Hawkeye bits. He had some funny, funny moments when he was talking to Scarlet Witch and kind of getting her to become a, an Avenger and had that whole speech where he was like, this city's floating and, you know, I just have a bow and arrow. And none of this makes sense. And that was, that was a legitimate comedic beat that made sense with the character and who he was made to be in that movie, in that situation, it wasn't anything forced. Like, I know the running gag was, you, you know, Steve Rogers doesn't like when you swear, which was really played out, like, the second time they made a joke about it. But that part of Hawkeye's speech, like, it was, the speech was so genuine. Jeremy Renner delivered it so well that all of it worked, and that's why that was honestly humorous. And not just, you know, a waka 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 moment like we saw through the rest of the movie. Even Ultron was cracking wise. And I don't know a whole lot about Ultron. 
It's not like I have the Ultron Omnibus in the basement. But I've read a lot of Ultron. And he's never... He was fucking personable in this movie. He was so fucking human. I would throw up in my mouth, but I can't throw up or something like that. And I was like, oh my god. Why not? You got lips. I I almost walked out. I almost checked out at that point. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? When with he this? started talking with those smoochable, kissable lips, robotic lips. Let's talk I about let's talk about the lips. Fucking hated that. I couldn't fucking look at him the entire time. I had an issue with him in the first trailer we saw him with all of his fucking facial parts yeah. that made him emote because everyone knows no one can properly emote when you have a mask that doesn't move. Are we thinking that little of the movie going public now that everything needs telegraphed to them? Like, everything needs spelled out? Is Darth Vader less... Does that make Darth Vader less now? That when people go back and watch Star Wars, you're like, oh, I don't know what he's feeling. I don't know what his emotions are because his mask doesn't move. (laughs) Are you... Come on. Quit fucking catering to the lowest common denominator. Ultron could have been fucking scary. He should have been scary. He should have had no humanity, no emotion, no jokes. He should have been fucking brutal. He didn't need the twins for one fucking thing. He has an army of himself at his beck and call. He doesn't need those two fucking twins. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. I really didn't understand his motivations where he wants to... Wipe out humanity, but at the same time, he, you know, wants, he's building, he built the human vision body and wanted to be, he himself wanted to be more human. I I didn't understand that. It didn't make any sense to me. No, it didn't. I felt like there were a lot of contrivances like that. Well, how can we bring the vision into this? Okay. Well, how about this? And then we'll do that. It, it just, there was no natural flow to this movie. It, It felt overall like an incredibly disjointed experience everything from when all the avengers have their their own like kind of flashback sequences and then thor goes off on this side mission and has to get shirtless for the ladies so he can Mm. go into a swimming pool or something i mean he can't go in in the outfit does that prevent the the you know, the telepathy of seeing the vision, like, it can't go through material. Well, here's the thing with that. Like, some of those things, when, when Stark gets hit, it's his worst nightmare that he's responsible for the death of the Avengers in Earth. When Captain America gets hit with it, his is sort of like a, a flashback, kind of. Like, I don't think that's his worst nightmare. When Thor gets it's hit what with he's, it... It's what Cap... It's what Cap's lost. He's lost he's lost the prime of his life. The love of his life is gone. Those years, you know, are gone. It's not like his worst fear. And it's like his worst his biggest regret. And it's like he can never escape war because he's at this party, but he's still having sort of like flashbacks with like his friends covered in red wine and looking like, "Oh, you know, um, we're in the middle of war." But it's really just a party. So that's like and, and then the Scarlet, or not Scarlet Witch, Black Widow has a straight up flashback to her creation, and Thor has 
a vision of the future. So there's no consistency well, with what Scarlet Witch was doing. And her powers were never really explained either. We, as comic book fans, know that she has chaos magic and all that, which is kind of nebulous. So we can rationalize it and say that but, well, this is going to work on each individual in a different way. And that's why it looks like that. I, and I, I guess, but I think that that should have been explained a little further, because I'm still a little unclear someone, about that. Can someone explain to me how Thor knew Vision was the answer to saving all No, this? because I think that that part is on the cutting room floor. Because all I got out of that was Heimdall being like, you're going to kill us all, you're going to kill us all. And Thor's like, no, I don't want to kill you all. And then he comes back and he's like, Vision's a cold dude, we're good. Now, was that supposed to be, like, Asgard now, because Loki's in control and it's all fucked up, or Asgard in the future? Like, what was that supposed to be? I'm totally... I don't know what that was. How does it relate to the the mind gem and the vision? I, I what did know. I miss? I feel like I'm dumb and I missed something. No, I think that there's part of this movie that's missing that they had to cut to hit the runtime... And it was something that was important. Because how does he know to go to the, you know, the fucking vision jacuzzi and, like, hang out and and figure out about the Infinity Stones? I'm okay with Thor being the one to put together these, these otherworldly things. Because that's who would do it, is a god from another place. But they didn't explain it very good. Matt? Can you answer that? No, I can't. Um, I was I was equally confused. I'm glad we have Ian here because he was paying closer attention. I think maybe by the time this was going on, I was starting to check out. Honestly, yeah, I was starting. I was bored. There were moments when I was bored out of my mind. Really? Yes, there. And it was around those that sequence where everybody's kind of having these visions and things like that. And I was like, holy crap, like, the second fucking actor, half of this movie better really, like, figure out what it wants to be. Because up to this point, it's such a disjointed mess. Like, I'm thinking, oh my god, like, I don't like this movie. I don't like it. Like, I'm surprised that I straight up don't like it. And uh, I think that it did get better. As it went along, like, because it was at least entertaining, but um, the story was, it felt like it was non-existent. And just the overall irrelevance of the entire thing is just what kills me. Paul, you said that the, you know, we have maybe unrealistic expectations that, um, you know, the second act in a trilogy or whatever is Your Empire Strikes Back. And sometimes you get that, not often, but sometimes you get that that second film that's better than the original. Not often. This should have been it, but there was no consequence ever. The villain was weak, forgettable, he'll never show up again. This movie exists in a vacuum, and that's ridiculous for something that has needed half a dozen other movies to get to this point for it to to not really rely on any of it except for maybe some jokes and some weak story references overall nothing of consequence you're left with nothing no, of consequence we're done with the patented Marvel tight little happy bow at the end and 
you know, and we're off to other things. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's happy. Everyone loves each other. They started planting the seeds, which with that I thought were for Civil War with Tony and Cap cutting the wood, which I thought was great because they're just, you know, they're just disagreeing at that point. They're start getting ir- starting to get irritated with each other. Would you say that they're two intelligent, kind-hearted people? Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and at, and at that point, that's exactly where that should be going. Right. And then by the time they get to the second fight between the two of them, where... They're actually where, fighting right, where, over Vision. Where Tony is downloading the Vision, and Cap shows up, and he's like, I told you this was a bad idea the first time, and we got Ultron. And now you're fucking doing it again. And then it made, then it, it was another step in that direction to, all right, this is where we're going. And at the, at the end of this movie, there's going to be no handshake. There's going to be gonna bad be, blood. There's going to be cold toward, they're going to be cold toward each other, and we're going to be left with, oh, Fuck. Like the there was a rift in this team. And then uh, nope. You know, handshakes and hand jobs. We're out the door. Love you guys, we're out. I don't know if I saw like, that movie. <laughs> like there should have been a rift so big that there should like the lines should have been drawn at that point. There shouldn't have just been, oh, these are the new recruits. It should have been these are the people that agree with Captain America and the other people that didn't follow <clears throat> are with Tony because they agree with him. And that's how that movie should have ended. And it's a major miss so, on the writing staff. Speaking of the ending of the movie, let's jump to the um, to the after credits, or I guess now it's the during credits sequence because audiences can't fucking handle sitting through. Granted, there were more computer artists on this film than there are computer artists on the planet. I don't know how that worked out, but it's the truth. Go back and rewatch those credits. Because it keeps going and going and go. They just some graphic them. designers from Asgard. <laughs> they, they just they just looped the the credits over and over. But so now it's middle. No, not middle. Thirty seconds into the credits. Now that's when they hit you with the after the credit sequence, and you know it's it's been. Um, Thanos in a lot of instances so here we have Thanos again he puts on the infinity gauntlet without the gems and he says I'm going to do it myself as if as if this movie had anything to do with a failure that Thanos was overseeing what the fuck did that have to do with anything Yeah. so the, the first two things I thought were I'm a comics fan so I know what the infinity gauntlet is I know that each of the gems go on the knuckles. How do these fucking non-comic book fans know what that is? Like, we know Thanos is a big bad guy. Where did he get the glove? How does it relate to anything else going on? Wasn't the glove? Isn't the glove in Asgard? Like, I don't. We, right? I don't think we've ever seen I the thought, actual glove. I before. thought we've seen the glove. I thought the glove was in Asgard. I think we did see in Thor one. I think, right? Yeah, I thought so. It was in one of the like weapons chambers or something like. Pretty that. Pretty sure. But, 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 was, but it, was it in a weapons chamber and like a, a purposeful pan over it like you're going to need to see this for later or at that point it might have been an Easter egg. egg it might have been um, you're right though how does anybody know anything how does anybody know what the gems do but because they a, were poorly explained in each one of the movies and, and that failure to actually say oh this is an infinity gem this is what it does oh it's the mind gem it's a soul gem the failure to do that in each of the movies to connect all of this 
is where everybody is going to miss out on the power of, oh, now that that gem is in Vision's head, like, this shit's all And like now. Matt, like Matt, um, hinted toward, it made it sound like Thanos was behind Ultron. Ultron. Yeah, yeah. Right. Or behind Tony's idea to try to save the world and it backfired. Up until Tony that moment, moment, you're right. At some point? No, I, I don't think so. Happened? Up until that moment, Thanos had been irrelevant since the Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I mean, as a comic book fan and a big Infinity Gauntlet story fan, it's cool to see it. It's like, okay, there's no doubt this is happening. This is exciting to see the you know, the very first baby steps of that story coming to life. That was cool, but I actually had less of a problem with audiences not getting what's the gauntlet, what are the gems, what does it represent. Um, my problem is it just didn't make sense within the context of that movie. I agree. For anybody. For anybody. Everything else, you know what, the people that are not in the know, they'll get up to speed. But this will forever have nothing to do with <laughs> the Avengers 2, with Age of Ultron. And yeah, that's and my problem. That line, I guess I'll do it myself. Do so, what? Do what? What do you, what, like, raise a robot army and drop Sarkovia like a, like a Pog. meteor? What are you talking about? And, um, was I the only one that thought the way that Sarkovia was going to be saved was Hulk was going to lift it, like he lifted the mountain mm. in Secret Wars? No, I, I never, I, that, that didn't I totally mind. thought we were going to see that. I thought he was going to get under it and lift it. But it was already being lifted. Well, lift it and set it down. But he didn't... But it was it was already being lifted by the engines. Right, I understand So he that. didn't need to lift it. You mean he was going to catch it? Maybe it was Ca catch it, yeah. Catch it he he, would, he would get under it and set it down somehow. Uh, I, I hadn't exactly worked that out. Not yeah. that it matters because it didn't fucking happen. But I thought that it, it very likely was going to. Just because... I always felt like that sequence where he has that mountain. Yeah. I feel like it's very iconic. Maybe it's not as iconic as I thought because you guys are like, I've oh, never read Secret Wars. Um, I have. I didn't think that, though. I mean... Do you feel that's an iconic moment when he lifts a mountain? I know of it, but I didn't go to that um, whenever Sarkovia was getting blasted off it. What a stupid fucking way to destroy humanity. Are we out of good, cool ways to kill everybody? Did that everybody? totally remind you of um, Superman Returns? <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. It was like, this movie's about more land. <laughs> but it felt like a, like for, be, for Ultron supposed to be, he's supposed to be this highly intelligent being. You know, he's, he's sentient now. Like, he can pull information from everywhere. He knows everything. And at the end, he's kind of like, well then, fuck you guys. Then I'm just gonna blow up the Earth, and he's the, that whole plan, like dropping Sarkovia back down like a meteor. It was so fucking petulant, like, ugh. And like, well, he he exhibited a lot of the same, like, almost opposite emotions. A lot of the same emotions, different uh, motivations that Tony Stark has. He felt like the the mere reverse of Tony Stark. He had the same ridiculous sense of humor, um, but much more sinister motivations. And, like, I, I get that some people are drawing that comparison, but shouldn't he actually have been the opposite of Jarvis? Like, shouldn't that have been more of the line that was drawn there? 
where he he should be like where Jarvis is is always looking out for Tony and, and safeguarding things and protecting because things. he's not like you know Tony figured out well, yeah like you know Tony was like all right we need to take these steps to put him here but he wasn't outright Tony's creation Tony got him already formed and just needed to put him in this other vehicle. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't based on Tony's psyche or anything. And and I think what really is going on here is that James Spader just did James Spader. And they're like, do whatever the fuck you want to do. We'll put your mannerisms in this thing. You yuck it up, man, and just go with it. It was like Robert Downey Jr. versus... James Spader. Neither one was, was. going to be outdone. They were just like, oh yeah, well, what about this zinger? It was, it was like, like open fucking, fucking comic. It was open like mic night. Off. No. Yeah, it was open mic night at the Laugh Factory with James Spader and Robert Downey Jr. Were we naive to think that James Spader could have a, um, a nuanced, low-key performance? Because maybe that's our fault. Does James Spader do? Because I thought, hey, you know, maybe this will be creepy. Th- maybe this. Yeah, will be we all liked that idea initially. But does James Spader ever do that? I guess I don't, I don't know. know enough about James Spader. What's like, he I like on the blacklist? Be, I don't know. From what I hear from other people, this was his character from the yeah. blacklist. Oh, and I, I guess like, oh, I, don't I know. thought that that character was like, like more menacing and not such a jokester. But I guess I'm wrong. Yeah, I guess I don't know enough about James Spader or thought that. He could be the guy that's able to pull it back that and was, really give a chilling performance. That was kind of like his not. character on The Office, from what I recall. <laughs> well, when your main goal is comedy. I mean, Age of Ultron was clearly comedy number one, and then everything else. When you go to Blockbuster Video to rent this, <laughs> you're going to go in the comedy section. It's going to be right there next to... Planes, trains, and automobiles. It's and gonna. Ultron. It's gonna be the the comedy action adventure. It's gonna be like, um, like Last Action Hero. Speaking of comedy action adventure, much like uh, Adventures in Babysitting, I heard that there was a reference to that in. Was there? I don't know. I'm assuming it has to do with Thor, mm-hmm. because the little girl dresses up as Thor. But yeah, somebody had mentioned that there was a reference. Actually, I think Dom mentioned it. I think that I, was the one bit of spoiler yeah. that I heard from him. Huh, I didn't... I must not have... Do you think he it. could have fabricated it and made it up in his head? Not dumb. Not dumb. So, I mean, we are... We are locked and loaded. We bought our tickets. We are on board the hate train tonight. Yeah, and I wanted, I wanted to do this before we got into it, but we just, like, rolled right in. I want to apologize. I want to apologize to Guardians of the Galaxy for me not expressing how much I enjoyed that movie and liked it whenever we went to watch it and we did the review afterwards. I really liked that movie. I think we beat it up a lot. Um, And this movie is one that deserves the criticism we're giving it right now. There's a lot of online criticism of... Like, I, I keep seeing, hey, we just saw a second Avengers movie. What are you complaining about? Oh, like you're ungrateful. Well, the bar's well, been raised. Well, we know. Yeah, like, I mean, we have we've seen so many superhero movies at this point. We're a more sophisticated audience for this genre at this point. You need to do better than just putting five famous superheroes together in one place. Yeah, this isn't 2001 where 
we were just happy to get X-Men movies and a Spider-Man here or there, maybe a shitty Daredevil. We <laughs> want high-quality superhero films that not only that that move that tell a good story with compelling characters and have good action but aren't completely relying on stupid jokes and CG. In Avengers 1, I I still really enjoyed it watching it the other night. I need to rewatch it and see how I feel that it but holds up. This one when the best thing I can say was that I didn't feel like it dragged at all. It was a quick two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. That's not. That's not. You know, that shouldn't. That shouldn't be the best props I can give it. There was really cool stuff. Um, the way they first started using Scarlet Witch's powers, when they kind of Ooh. pulled some horror tricks, where she like out walks of the backwards bag. quickly. Yeah, I thought she was gonna be super creepy. I know, and, and then I that went su- away. I had such never a heart on at that point, well, and then we never saw it. Again. Well, even just like the way she did the fingers and her eyes lit up—that was scary. And I was like, "Wow, this yeah, is going to be interesting." Yeah, she was the whole witch aspect yeah. of the character. I was like, "This," but then they just dropped it. Yeah, and I wasn't—I wasn't expecting that. I was like, "Oh, this is a really interesting way to portray her live action as a witch." And it only happened once. What yeah. did we think of Marvel's Quicksilver versus Fox's Quicksilver? Ian. Not even a contest. Fox's Quicksilver was more compelling, more enjoyable on screen. Had less screen time, but made more of an impact in that one scene that he was in. Wow, that's pretty definitive. Do we even have to go around the table at this point? That's up to you. You posed the question. Well, I'm coming at you now, so do you agree with Sharply? I like them both equally. I think Aaron Taylor Johnson was way underused especially in the when the train was going off the rails we should he like for those of you that haven't seen it the train the driver gets the driver gets killed it's it's off the tracks it's going through the city and it's Quicksilver's job tasked to him by Captain America you need to get all the people out of the way of the speeding train. I'd just like to point out that, that I really was excited about this sequence because we've never seen in a superhero movie a runaway train before. Never happened before ever in the history of superhero movies. Continue. But I thought this was a cool way to handle it with Quicksilver in particular because I like the train's running through this town. It's exploding everything it comes in contact with. But all you see is this blur of him just running in front of the train. Like, I wanted to see what some stuff like they did in Days of Future Past, where it's where everything slows down to a standstill, and Quicksilver can take his time, and he can, like, grab this person and move them out of the way, or, like, lift up these rocks that are falling and move <coughs> someone else, and really see everything he's capable of. But with that sequence told me was we wasted this effects budget other places just fudge through this and we're good i don't think it was that i think they probably just didn't feel like um doing the same thing that was done that would have slowed the pacing down in days future Past. and they did a little bit of that in the when he was fighting the avengers and he ran up the cap punches him in the face yeah. a little bit but not not the way that it was handled in, in the x-men film i thought they i thought they were different enough characters that they both had their merits. I like I like both of them, and I think Aaron Taylor Johnson could have he could compete more 
with Evan Peters, but there's so much going on in that movie. So many characters in Age of Ultron that we're going to do the best we can with them, and then we're going to kill them. Well, this is how, this is how I, I think about it. I want to see more of the X-Men, Fox, Evan Peters, Quicksilver. I want to see him in the next film. Is I he going to be in it? I don't know. I hope he is. They kill off, spoilers, they kill off um, the Aaron Taylor Johnson version in this film, and I don't care. So that's, I mean, to me, it's a clear win. I really want to see another one character, the other one's gone, and I don't, I, I could yeah. care less. Quicksilver is a microcosm of this film in general for me. I don't care. When I left the theater, I only remembered it because I was talking about it, just giving my initial reaction. Didn't think about it at all that night when I went home. Didn't think about it at all the next day. Only started thinking about it again today because we have to talk about it. But when we're done, not going to think about it again. I'll probably never watch it again. I have no reason to watch it again. Yeah. I am that disinterested in it. You're one of you're like the second or third person that I've heard talking about it that said that I'll probably never watch it again. I'll probably it, I will probably watch it again. But I'm not amped. Like, but, there's but nothing that I, I want to go back and, and revisit. Sharply, if I do, it's only because I'm curious. Did I really dislike that as much as I thought? It's like I want to give it another shot because, hey, it's the Avengers. It's Marvel. It's characters that I love. Could it really be that bad? And, and I tell you what, like all the, real, all the slower beats, all the character-driven moments, the party scenes or the farm scene, all the one-on-one -on -one -on -one interactions, I thought those were handled well because that's those Joss the Whedon's. Best moments. That's Joss Whedon's strong suit. That's his writing shining. That's his handling and juggling of different characters. Yep. The, all that stuff was really good. Um, yep. Except I didn't really like, and I think we touched on it before, I didn't like the, the shoehorned Bruce Banner... Um, oh my goodness. Black Widow Where romance. did that come from? Like... Out of left field, and in watching the original Avengers, when she goes and and is recruiting Bruce Banner, like there's none of that there. Like you don't feel any of that um, connection that they talk about in the second Avengers movie. If they would have built that into the first film, and there was something there, maybe this would have played a little better with me. Mm -hmm. Nick Fury showing up the way that he did. Um, particularly when he showed up with the uh, helicarrier was baffling to me. The whole sequence made no sense. It was like one of those like Lord of the Rings moments where the good guys are almost defeated and they're out of options and then boom all of a sudden their you know their army shows up on the crest of the hill and saves the day. It's like it's such a like a bullshit I know, cop out. I know after we saw it you guys try to explain to me how this happened in movie and why it made sense i still disagree with it i don't remember us explaining this to you i think we tried to rationalize my, it but i don't problem, think any of us were like no no no. this makes perfect my sense my problem was they're in a town oh 300 thousand feet in the air and you know iron man's flying around all the systems in his suit in check and then all of a sudden a giant fucking helicarrier shows up and everyone's like oh fuck where did that come from someone's gonna notice the giant fucking helicarrier 
Iron Man is going to pick up some shit in his system. Like, don't worry, guys. And do you think Nick Fury's really going to be like, eh, don't say anything. We're going to surprise it's gonna everyone. It's going to be a surprise. It's going to be a surprise. It's cool. Like, I, he's not, he doesn't have a comm link to anyone saying, Cap, we're on the way. But when he shows up, everyone's like, oh, fuck. Shield's there with his helicarrier. We're saved. Horseshit. Everyone. Like, Everyone what if they knew made they some were crazy, drastic decision that affected everything that could have been avoided if Nick Fury just said, hey, we're ten minutes out. Don't worry. We're going to save everybody. And how does... And my biggest problem with the movie, how come Don Cheadle gets play at the end of the movie with the cavalry? But no Falcon. No Falcon. This is your biggest problem. I, yeah, that's kind of weird. But I agree with not, you. Not 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 the biggest, but like it. As soon as he showed up, I was like, oh fuck yeah, War Machine, Falcon. They're gonna. Because what are they where's, doing? Where's Falcon? They're they're flying around fighting stuff. That's what he does. He flies. Right. It's not like they're fucking underwater. He's in the he's movie. He's the Falcon. And he's in the movie twice. Yeah. Not for one day. He had multiple days of shooting. Why didn't he do it? that stuff? They know. set up... They set up... Rhodey at the party. They set up Sam Wilson at the party. Actually, they both hey. get a couple zingers in. Because that's what you do if you're in Age of Ultron. You sling zingers. You can slip. Okay. And they Don't. both do it. But then at the end, they're like, we only need two black guys. Three black guys in the cavalry is way too it's, many black guys. It's Wait, an overload. Who's it? Sam Jackson. Oh, so I actually like Don Cheadle's humor at the at the party um, whenever he was trying to tell the punchline to the joke, and when he finally told it to a group of people that had never heard it or had no frame of reference, and it went over, and he, like, just that look on his face. It was subtle, and it was really well done. I really like Don Cheadle in this movie. He had a small role. I thought he was good. All the... All the out-of-costume stuff, all the party stuff, uh, the, you know, get-together after the party where they're all trying to lift the hammer. Like, I thought all that stuff was really well done. Yeah. Because, like, I love that stuff. In, in comics, I love when we get to see what the heroes are doing when they're not heroing. Right. And, like, yeah, we saw that trailer. And where that clip, it was released before the movie came out. But it was still super enjoyable. Yeah, it still played just as well in the movie and I, I love seeing that stuff but Sam Wilson was in those clips too just bring him back and he had a nice brand new shiny falcon suit at the end and Can he try that thing out and he was a hit in Winter Soldier or wherever the hell they were at after Winter Soldier Win one of the biggest you know biggest accolades Winter was, wow, Soldier was really cool. which we sort of made fun of for being like Avengers light but now that we've seen this new Avengers, Winter Soldier was double the movie that this new Avengers is. So much better. Superior in virtually every possible way. I agree. I think going forward, I don't think that even these solo films, you're still going to be featuring... Um, additional cast members just like how the winter soldier had two different you know side avengers and a bunch of supporting cast so i don't think we're ever going to see like just a straight up solo film besides ant-man but i don't know where he fits into the marvel universe and that's like that's point. fine you know it can yeah. we don't need to see solo 
hero movies. We can have multiple heroes in a movie yeah. because, like Winter Soldier, they can make it work. Yeah. But I don't know if it was just you know time constraints that we had to get everything in, so maybe some important stuff had to be left out. That's what it felt like to me. I felt I feel like when I watch it again, I hope that there's an extra twenty minutes of missing stuff that explains the story maybe a little bit more. The three hour fills, version of Avengers or, too. Or fills in the gaps Thanks. and maybe makes some things make a little more... Nothing's, make, gonna, nothing's gonna fix Ultron, though. And that, that's well, really, no. That's really and, that's, I'll, and I'm not thinking that it will. I just maybe hope they, they there are some other things that they left out. When the movie ended, I the first reaction that I had was thank goodness Joss Whedon's not coming back for Avengers 3 because I think that he came damn close to breaking it. Much like everyone considers Sam Raimi to have broken Spider-Man 3. Avengers 2 is better than Spider-Man 3. I think we all know it wasn't Sam Raimi, though. Like, he was forced into doing stuff. Yeah, he was. He didn't he want was. to. But he's, he's the guy that took the blame. Everyone has revisionist history and everyone says his Spider-Man movie sucked up until The Amazing Spider-Man 2 came out and then everybody was like yeah Sam Raimi's pretty everybody's... good and that Mark Webb's a real shitty filmmaker oh, wait but... a second does everybody say that that his Spider-Man movie sucked? that was the prevailing opinion uh, during the um, The Amazing Spider-Man franchise years um, really? yes do you feel that from from us? Not too much. Maybe Paul a little bit, but I don't think that that's still necessarily like. I never had a, a major... problem with Sam Raimi. No, but I, I think, he, and you like the original Spider-Man movie. No, more he than likes. I do. He likes. Wait, you don't like Spider-Man one, do you? Yeah. I I don't. You don't like Spider. Okay. And, and I don't. I don't. It's, it's okay. I can't sit here and say, oh, I hate it. Like. Wait, still do, you, do you think The Amazing Spider-Man 1 is better than Spider-Man 1, Paul? Um, I They're they're real close. I, I wouldn't be comfortable picking one over the other. Because there's there's things I love about the Tobey Maguire one, uh -huh. and there's things I love about the Andrew Garfield one. That I, I think they're both pretty close. Wow. Ian, do you feel the same way as Paul? But I, but I enjoy them both. Yeah, okay. I, I think they're close, but I... Man. I think they're close. Um, I don't think they're but, even in the same... deserve to be mentioned in the same breath. I, I, I will say this, though. Because I feel like Amazing Spider-Man 1 was kind of terrible from beginning to end. And I know that Amazing Spider-Man 2 is widely considered to be a turd of a movie. However, I liked a lot of it. Um... Because the interaction between Gwen and Peter is so good, even though Peter Parker is so wrong in, in those movies, especially the second one. But there was just something about that dynamic that was really, really powerful. Much like I felt the Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst chemistry in the first Spider-Man existed, I felt like it was there between... Um, Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone. Emma Stone. Um, but the, I thought it was there <clears throat> in both of those films. The, yeah, that was the strongest thread. Oh, in the in, in that the whole franchise, franchise, it was the dynamic of Peter Parker and Emma Stone. 
and Emma Stone. Gwen Stacy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was. Yeah. yeah. I, but yeah, that that's that was my favorite part of the first movie and the second movie was just that interaction and um, Andrew Garfield's a good actor. He's a charming fucking dude. Like he didn't play the Peter Parker we know, but he 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 was good in those movies. Yeah, like I didn't like um, Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin. And mainly because of the the helmet mask, the look, right. But as far as everything else was concerned, yeah, like I, I never put anything on Sam Raimi. I thought Sam Raimi did a great job. And by the time he started doing bad things, everybody knew it was the studio. Right, not he had Sam built Raimi. up and enough good equity. And and whenever he was allowed to do what he wanted in the second Spider-Man film, he delivered one of the most iconic, brilliant superhero movies of all time. I put that up in my top ten. Every single time we talk about, I feel like your movies. top ten doesn't sound all that impressive. Like it's in my top ten. Well, what else oh, is in your top? Well, oh, top five then. Top five. I even in Spider-Man Two was so good. I even bought beat ass Kirsten Dunst as a pretty girl. <laughs> she was pretty in those movies, though, man. Yeah, Negative. she was. Her she, nipples she was. were pretty in that one scene. So what? All this up here in the grill area. She was still pretty. Beatnik. But Sam Raimi was never, never in question. But yeah, now that, now after seeing this Joss Whedon joint, I'm like, all right, let's let's see what the Russo brothers can do with Infinity War. Do we feel like Joss Whedon was burned out? Maybe. No. No. no? I don't think, think so. He just, he just failed. I think it was a monumental failure. I think that he got a lot of fucking passes on shit that he did in the first Avengers because the spectacle of it was so impressive and great, and we had never, ever experienced that before in a superhero movie. So he could get away with the, you know, the constant yucks. And, um, you know, his kind of, like, overly clever, constantly overly clever dialogue... Um, you know, sometimes I was like, are you sure Brian Michael Bendis didn't write this? Or did Kevin Smith come in and start writing this fucking thing? You know what? I was thinking about that today. And, um, what mainly are some because of, mainly because, mainly about Brian Bendis, because whenever, whenever he relaunched the Guardians of the Galaxy book, and I was like, all right, you know, I like the Dan Abnett, um, Andy Lanning Guardians. I'm going to pick this up. Every character had the same voice. Everyone was quippy. Everyone had a one-liner. Everyone was coming from the same tone. And when I watched this movie, the only character that really stood out as having an individual voice was Bruce Banner. To a point, Captain America was a little more stoic. Yeah, I disagree with that. I I think that the majority of the characters were like that. Villains and heroes kind of had that waka-waka. But I don't think that Hawkeye was all that funny. Vision wasn't very funny either. He had his own kind of thing going on. Um, And Bruce Banner also. Of the core cast, I don't count Vision. I don't count Quicksilver. They didn't get nearly enough screen time. But of the bulk of the cast, like everyone was coming from that same area of, I'm going to make some funny, funny jokes. Except for Bruce Banner, who pretty much played it straight the whole time. And Hawkeye, who I thought was fucking awesome. I've never liked... Hawkeye more than in this movie. Jeremy Renner hooked it up. They gave him some room to breathe. 
They gave him some air, some area to work with, and he hooked it up. All the ridiculous shit about, oh, we're going to force feed you his backstory and his family so that you care about him when you maybe think he's going to die and it's going to pull on your heartstrings. He hooked it up. He did a great job. But he didn't have that same, you know, Bendis, everyone sounds the same trait that I think a lot of the characters have had. So hopefully when the Russo brothers take over, they split everyone up a little bit more. Everyone gets... Right. I, I feel... like j- Just look at um, The Winter Soldier. In that movie, it feels like everyone has a distinct voice. Mm-hmm. In Avengers 2, maybe not everyone, Ian, but a lot of people sound like they're coming from the same mouthpiece. Um, I'm excited that somebody different is going to be I'm, taking this franchise and going yeah, forward. Yeah, I am too. I was disappointed at first. Before I saw Avengers 2, I was like, really? Joss Whedon's not going to finish his trilogy? Like, I, was, I felt, like, wrong. But afterwards, hell yeah, dude. Go do something else. Go make a Buffy movie or something. See, don't... now, I, I don't think that he needs to go and do that. He can... He Why? could take over. Well, didn't he? Didn't he? That's mention? his creation, man. Yeah, I, I understand that. But I, I think that he can still do. If he wants to do a superhero film, I know he mentioned something about Batman or something like that. I think he can still do superhero. Maybe if he's films. making Batmite, it'll work. But other, otherwise, I mean, come on, like I think he. I I think just because we didn't necessarily love this movie, he Joss Whedon's still a good director and a good writer. You don't yes. Think no, I, I agree with that. Okay. Um, but I think his style needs to be attached to the right thing. Uh, for example, I feel like something like a firefly makes sense because that's what it is. It's a lot of humor and, like, you know, everybody has a, a zinger. Buffy's kind of the same way. Everybody's got clever dialogue. But something like the Avengers where I think there needs to be, like, legit moments of uh, seriousness where it's okay if you know you've gone 15 minutes without a joke I bet you you cannot go 15 minutes in Avengers without some kind of joke no I don't think so the original one is more tempered is it? yeah I I watched it too last night I watched the majority of the the first part and the the final 20 minutes I don't think it's more tempered there's plenty of comedy but the comedy feels more natural in the course of all the dialogue, in the course of all the action that's happening. Everything feels more threatening in that movie. Did you guys? Because this is also the second time that we're seeing massive CG army comes to fight but Avengers. Even, you know, like it's played like that whole. And it also happened out. in Iron Man three. But even on yeah. even on this on the, on the rewatch last night. You know, Iron Man goes up into space through the wormhole and he falls back down and he's like, we gotta get shawarma. There's a shawarma place. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. I'm like, uh, but is it also that part of Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man character? That like, that someone needs to step in and be like, RDJ, you're Tony Stark. Let's pull it back. Do we think that it's odd that they, they've never explored really the dark corners of Tony Stark and gone into, like, heavy into 
the alcoholism and some of that. I, I thought that we were going to, you know, maybe get some of that weird stuff here. When Robert Downey Jr. was cast, I loved it right away because I knew that Robert Downey Jr. has had substance abuse problems in his past. And I thought, wow, what a what an inspired choice mm-hmm. to cast a guy that has his own demons that he's battled. The guy that's really going to be able to approach that role with an honesty that someone else may not be able to do. And they've never explored it. All they did was explore that Tony Stark is funnier than Spider-Man, which I don't ever fucking remember that in the comics. Well, he has a couple... There's a couple scotches on the rocks in the first Iron Man. In the second one, in the second one, he gets all blasted and fights Rhodey at that party. But that's as far as yeah. And when you and when you watch that, you're like, all right. I thought that's where they're going. Progression. I see where they're going with this. And then after Avengers and Iron Man three, you're like, oh, he's going to be dealing with the PTSD, and he's going to lean on alcohol to get him through. That's the logical way. But he was like. No, 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 no. Comedy. But, That's my crutch. I mean, how many films has Iron Man been in now? He's been in five movies, right? He's going to be in Batman Superman. He's going to be in Batman Superman. And they've never approached anything, any any darker recesses of that character. Is why? Why do we think that is? Is it a... Marvel sanction is. I think it's a Marvel sanction more than anything. Is it a Robert Downey Jr. thing? I think it's a Marvel sanction type thing more than anything because that gets into territory that none of those films have touched, and they have a winning formula. I mean, look at the box office take for this fucking movie this weekend. It's insane. But how's it gonna hold up? Well, I don't know if history is gonna be as kind to it because I think that. You know, as more people listen to this particular episode of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast, you know, I think we're going to start influencing the, the major population at large. Um, so, but that that's not going to mean anything because in the meantime, this movie is just making bank. It is not stopping. This is an unstoppable force. It's already made... Three three hundred million overseas before it even it's, opened. Here. It's crazy. It's so. crazy what this fucking movie is is pulling in. Yeah. But I mean, here's, here's something that I noticed. With Iron Man three, Iron Man three made a ton of money, and I I know that after the first viewing, we didn't like it all that much. I feel like there is there's been a a, a role reversal between Marvel and DC characters at this point where. Ten years ago, you couldn't have Superman drinking a beer because that would look bad on the character of Superman. But now, these Marvel characters are so front and center. Mm -hmm. They're so big and popular, and these are the heroes that it is out of the question for one of our big forefront heroes to be an alcoholic. That maybe if... DC, you know, has one of their chief characters throwing down a, a few drinks. Maybe it's not so weird anymore because now Superman isn't seen as the A number one hero's hero. I I would agree with that. I mean, you just look at Halloween time and the kids coming through the neighborhoods and they're all dressed up as Avengers. All that stuff is the most popular stuff out there on the shelves. Um... DC would be smart to take that tact and maybe 
go in the darker direction. The thing about it is, well, there's so much Marvel stuff out there. There's so much, you know, track record of Marvel movies. And DC, at this point, only really has one thing, and all we can do is speculate on what they possibly could do. I really hope that they go in a darker direction, and they they differentiate themselves from Marvel's brand, which is tried, true, successful. But at this point, I think we're all looking for something a little different. It It's like they know exactly what they have to do to appeal to the masses and continue to get people to come back. It's like you keep giving them the same shit. Just like the Fast and the Furious franchise. Like, when th those movies come out and then they make so much money, I'm like, people pay money to go see that? Super like, fun. are you fucking kidding yeah, me? they're big, fun, venture, excitement, big action pieces. But even in Age of Ultron, there was no big... There was no big action piece that I was like, holy fuck, that was really cool. Well, I think that the Hulkbuster scene was, was that pretty was enjoyable. That, that, was, that was fun. That was, I had fun with that. I liked the fact that Tony's armor has come so far at this point that he's thought about, okay, I gotta fight the Hulk. And they even set that up in, in The Incredible Hulk, that this is something you're going to have to think about. And now this is sort of the payoff for the longtime fans that he thought about it and now he has something dropping arms out of the sky to help him. So that was that was one of the more enjoyable pieces of this movie. I had two issues with that whole scene. I know one of them. One was the all the civilian casualties, because there were about a fucking bajillion of them. There is no man left standing in Seoul Korea after that fucking fight. But no one's gonna hammer it. Like everyone oh had Oh my steel. god. But they but they also they, they do reference No ship. They do reference a few times when he's gonna drop the Hulk off, scan for empty buildings, finds empty building, throws it and and that's directly tied to the Man of Steel criticism. Yeah, and there but are But they still did it. They didn't have to do it, but they did it. Yeah, and there are a lot more shots of, you know, people running away, but at the same time, like there's a lot of online things saying they killed a lot of fucking people but, but in that scene. And I'm like, all right, I'll take it. And here's another thing. And as you know from watching The Avengers last night, at the end of that, at the end of the original Avengers, there's a bunch of news feeds going on. And they talk about how people died in the Battle of New York and not everybody's super happy about it. But then, and then they go into, oh, you know, Captain America saved my cat. And blah, yeah. blah. So they do reference that people died in the Battle of New York. And the other oh. thing I didn't understand was that Ultron's taken over Jarvis. He's in charge of all these Iron Man suits. He's mm -hmm. in Iron Man's network. So how does Iron Man have this floating armory that's not connected to the Iron Man cloud. Or like any Iron Man suit that would function and not be controlled by Ultron. Right. I don't know. But to your first point, um, which was... What was your first point? The, the, the Hulk and Iron Man killed a lot of fucking people. Yeah, they did, but... I mean, it, but you're kind of like criticizing it because Man of Steel gets hammered, this, maybe not so much, but... The thing is, number well, one, no, that, like this has, like I've oh, seen a lot of people criticize this for doing the same thing Man of Steel. Does. I don't think it's exactly the same. Number one, they they showed that Tony Stark made a concerted effort to try to get that fight out of the city. About 
you know, 10 minutes into the fight. Like, 10 minutes real time into the fight when he finally latches on to Hulk's arm and then flies him up. Right. But after that, they're willy-nilly right on the town square. Yeah. Well, maybe he realized he couldn't couldn't get away. But anyway, he th- there was an effort. In Man of Steel, there was no effort shown for Superman to get that fight somewhere else. I have no problem with that because I don't give a shit because one punch puts you in outer space, so there is no safe zone. Uh, secondly, I don't feel like this particular fight, these powers packed the same destructive punch that the Man of Steel exhibited. Like, Man of Steel, they were getting punched through buildings and then they would crumble. And this, they would kind of hit into buildings and bounce off. Do you know what I mean? Like, it just didn't feel as powerful. Therefore, probably not as much destruction and casualties. And at this point, I think that... um the destruction of Metropolis, that's a positive thing in that universe. Like, that's that's something that happened that's going to make Batman v Superman really interesting. That's a good thing. I feel like that is a, a natural misstep on Zack Snyder's part in that movie to ignore, as they're making it, you know, we're killing a lot of people in this movie. This might make Superman not look perfect well is it a misstep or was like i don't know i don't think that was a calculate i think they you know they were given some yeah. lemons and they made some lemonade right, right 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 but still it's still an interesting thing it's a it's a as uh, bob ross would say it's a happy, happy accident. accident that's right yeah i would agree that's what i think it is so i i think that makes it everybody dc fans are upset that people point at that but it's just going to make batman v superman have an extra layer of of depth that these Marvel movies aren't going to get to have. It's going to... Well, let's hope so. Yeah, let's I mean, so, so it's I, a good thing. I think after seeing this, we can all agree that we're we're really starved for something new and different. This movie made, I think, all of us here at this table super excited for Batman v Superman. <laughs> Except for Paul, because they would never fight in the first place. Let's go out on a positive. What is the thing we love most about Age of Ultron? Wait, 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 wait. Let's each do our most negative and our most positive thing about Age of Ultron. We'll start with negative and we'll go positive. For the record, I was trying to be positive. I will still end positive. I just want to get my negative. I'm glad. I'm glad because I love the negative. It's my absolute favorite. Paul, what was your least favorite thing about... Ultron. There you go. Ultron. Horrible. His mouth, his facial expressions... His quippy dialogue. What was your least favorite thing about Ultron? You had to pick one thing. What was what would be the worst? His personality. Yeah. He was. Yeah. I, he should have been. The a, fact that he had a personality right there. Was, man, fucking, yeah. He sold his been, computer. He should have been a cold alien robot. But right. instead, it was Robert Downey Ultron. Yeah. The fact that he could say things like "I would have thrown up in my mouth right now if I had." Oh, oh that like, was so bad. More Agent Smith, less Jim Carrey in the mask. Like, calm the fuck down. Ian, what was your least favorite thing? Least favorite thing? I really did not like Ultron. Um, Let me see if I can pick something else. You can pick the same thing. It was bad. It deserves two picks. Fuck. I fucking hated Ultron. He was the worst. He was pretty terrible. I would go so far as to say dog shit. Oof. My least favorite part of that movie was there was no Star Wars trailer. (laughs) 
asshole. Excited oh. for that trailer. That I was a like, long time ago this week. I well, it is Star Wars Day. Happy Star Wars Day. May the fourth be with you. Hey, Capitals won one nothing tonight. Hockey reference. Hit all the bases <laughs> tonight. Um. Yeah, like we're sitting through. They they come at you. They give you the Tomorrowland, and then they follow it up with the. Uh, uh, Ant-Man, you're like, okay, they're in the Disney realm. I'm sure Star Wars, and then the movie will start. But after Ant-Man, then the movie started. I was like, <gasps> I couldn't believe it. I was so hurt. Well, all day in New Dimension for Free Comic Book Day, everyone was talking about, they already saw Ultron and all the trailers they saw, and everyone that came through was like, oh, we saw Batman, Superman, and we saw Star Wars on the big screen. Uh. So all day, I think Matt and I were, were both like, Oh, I'm going to see Star Wars and Batman and Superman, yeah. respectively. Right. And neither. We neither. didn't get either. I was let down by that, too, just for the record. And, and, you and made it sound like I wasn't there. <laughs> Tomorrowland looks kind of cool, though. Oh, yeah. It, it does. Looks, it, it looks, looks real really cool. good. That, you know what? I think that's going to be my favorite movie this summer. Bold predictions. I, this After this movie, it's kind of a weak summer, I feel. We got Jurassic Park. I don't think that looks good. See, I do. The I'm more I in. see, the more I'm, I'm just in. like, uh, guys, I don't know. We got Tomorrowland. That's because you're a feminist. Yeah, that's true. So anyway, favorite thing, Paul? What was your favorite thing? I'm getting a little long in the tooth here sharply. We're going to try to wrap this up. Oh, shit. Favorite thing? I'm going to go Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner. I yeah. think he did a great job with all the material he was given. He got to stretch his legs a little bit, and it really made me appreciate that character in the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. Matt? Um, well, <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. Least favorites right at the tip of your tongue. There's about ten of them there. I think there was some really good action in the movie. Uh, you know, there were some really cool effects and some of the cool action. There were two very cool shots that that I felt like didn't even feel like Joss Whedon, to be honest with you. It felt like somebody was like kind of like... Like if Zack Snyder would pull something like this off where they were a little bit more artistically shot or something. And they felt like comic book panels. And there was the one early on when all the Avengers fly across the screen from left to right in slow motion. And you have that really cool, it looked like a comic book panel. You know what I'm talking about, right? And that looked cool. And then there was another one later in the movie when Vision and... Um, Two other characters that shoot beams. Iron Man and was it Thor? We're all shooting at Ultron oh, yeah. at once. Yeah. That was a super comic booky moment. It really was, and it looked really cool. Um, and it was just the little beats like that that I'm like, okay, that's right. Like, you know what you're referencing here, and now it feels like it should. Um, you know, all the all the silly, funny humor. It's not there. You're just giving me something that's cool. Something that, you know, like, at its core, it's at, like, its most fundamental, um, kind of, like, level of appeal for me. It's just, it's cool. And you, and they did it in those, like, little brief shots. And, you know, just those little things went such a long way with me. Ian, favorite thing? I'd say Paul Bettany as The Vision. I think it's a really cool payoff that the voice that we've been hearing as Jarvis since 2008 has finally come to the screen 
They didn't fuck him up like I thought they were going to and CG him all up. It was, it was him with some prosthetics on him. Mm-hmm. He had a CG cape, but even the way that they handled, how does an android decide what his costume is going to be? And he goes and he's, he's talking to Thor, and you can almost see him say, in a very childlike way, look at Thor and like, hey, that's pretty fucking cool, a cape. And he kind of fashions a cape for himself. He was just sort of, not a naive, being, but just a, a young, newly born being that was so super powerful, so pure, was able to pick up Thor's hammer and hand it to him. I thought that was a cool little moment after the whole party scene earlier. Um, I just really like that character. I've never really liked Vision ever before, and this was a cool way to bring him to the screen. Mm-hmm. It was it was unique, and it was handled very well. Um, so that was probably my favorite thing about the movie. I always remember the vision in the comics when Thanos in the Infinity Gauntlet walks up to him and drives his hand through his chest and pulls out all these wires and circuits and kills him right well, there. Well, I think we're going to see a little bit of that whenever he pulls that gem right out of the dome. Yeah, maybe. There's probably going to be a joke attached to it. <laughs> That's going to do it for us tonight. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you liked Age of Ultron, sorry, it wasn't very good. My name is Paul McGinty. I'm Matt Casal. Ian Sharpley. We'll see you next time. Sleep and sleep last night. Do you know what else you have? A vagina. <laughs>